Hi, it's Rabbi Jim Eagle. I want to thank you so much for joining me this week and listening to this uh, podcast. I'm going to catch up a little bit, uh, go back to a couple of uh, weeks ago when I spoke about the Gaza Flotilla and some of the issues there. And then um, in a couple of days, I'll put up my most recent sermon. You can always uh, email me at rav as in Victor, jim at aol.com. You can also find me on Skype by that same name, ravjim. And if you wanted to actually call me, you could call me at 610-624-3441. Again, I thank you so much for joining me. So there was a story of a group of fishermen who were out with their boats one day fishing near the shore. And they knew that as the sun went down, the fish often came near the shore in order to feed on the smaller animals. And so they sat and they threw their nets out and they threw their nets out and they threw their nets out. And it was a little bit of a struggle because the wind wasn't necessarily cooperating, but they managed to tack this way and that way and this way and that way to keep their ships near the shore and their nets continued to get heavier and heavier with the fish, and their ships filled up with fish. Well, one of the fishermen looked up, and he saw this one boat kind of sailing off into the distance. And he figured, what, well, that, that, that fisherman either, number one, was done for the day, or, or maybe there was something else going on, um, and he couldn't necessarily steer his craft. And at the end of the day, all these fishermen returned to the port, their, their ships filled with fish, and that one kind of weird, errant ship finally made it its way back to the port. And the other fisherman said, uh, why did you go out and fish out there where the fish weren't, as opposed to fishing nearer to shore? I mean, you would have a, a boatload full of fish at this point. And the fisherman who had sailed out into the sea said, well, you know, the wind was blowing that way. It was much easier to get there. Abraham Joshua Heschel, may he rest in peace, once said, every investigation springs out of a basic question, which sets the rudder of our mind. Every investigation springs out of a basic question, which sets the rudder of our mind. It is hard to know the rudders of people's minds unless they are honest and open with you about their intentions. People will say one thing and do another, Sometimes this is because they are unaware, and we want to offer them the benefit of the doubt. At other times, it is because they are relying on the benefit of the doubt to be extended, and they will use that benefit of the doubt to veil their real reasons for their actions. We have an example of this in our Torah portion this week, as we encounter a devastating moment in the Torah, and something that would impact our ancestors as they went through the desert. By the end of this week's Torah portion, we know that God will not allow Moses to enter into the promised land. We arrive at this pronouncement because Moses begins the Parsha with a problem. Miriam has died, and the people have no water. God tells Moses to talk to a stone, and the stone will give water, but the griping of the people has worn Moses' patience thin, and he decided not to talk to the stone, but to hit the stone. And not just hit it once, he decided to hit it twice. And out comes copious water, 
To make matters worse, he turns to the people in anger and announces that it is not God who will bring the blessing of water. Rather, he says, Listen now, you fools. From this rock shall we bring forth water for you? Thus, Moses gives us more than a hint at where his head is. He is angry, and he acts in anger. In doing so, he seeks only to alleviate his immediate concern, getting water, and he forsakes the long-term journey he has brought the people on, that is, to develop a relationship with God who had saved them from Egypt, given them the Torah, and would now bring them to a new and better existence in a land that they could call their own. Echoing back to Heschel, Moses tells us that he has forgotten what his rudder was supposed to be. He was supposed to set a direction for the people that would teach them how to act in a righteous manner. But due to his anger, he loses his bearings. In a moment when everyone was anxious, he too bought into the anxiety of the mob and for a moment became part of that mob. For that moment, the words of Lewis Carroll apply. If you don't know where you are going, any road will get you there. Moses only knew that he didn't want the people to be angry, and thus he lost the intention, and ultimately the action God had instructed him to take, and as a result, he would not enter the land of Canaan. Speaking of rudders, sails, boats, and not arriving in the land of Canaan, or getting there by a different route, I wanted to talk about the Gaza flotilla incident and the issues that it raised. Let me start with the first issue that has often been raised. This is from the American Reform Zionists Association. In their press release, they said, though the flotilla was in international waters at the time of the attack, Israel has operated under an international law that allows a state, during a time of conflict, to enforce an embargo in international waters. Within this framework, it is legal for civilian ships to be stopped if they are trying to break the embargo. Let's be clear. Hamas, the governing body in Gaza, had not declared a peace with the state of Israel which it does not recognize. Gaza continued to lob missiles into Israel before and after this incident. Thus, under the vaunted international law, which everyone is sure will condemn Israel, Israel was acting within the boundaries of the legal framework. Additionally, the primary purpose of this attempt was not, and I repeat, not to bring in food aid, but to break the embargo by Israel and Egypt. This was outlined in an op-ed piece offered by Israeli Ambassador Michael B. Oren on June 2nd entitled, An Assault Cloaked in Peace. Millions have already seen the Al Jazeera broadcast showing these activists chanting, Chaybar, Chaybar, a reference to a Muslim massacre of Jews in the Arabian Peninsula in the 7th century. YouTube viewers saw Israeli troops, troops armed with crowd-dispersing paintball guns and sidearms for emergency protection, being beaten and hurled over the railings of the ship by attackers wielding iron bars. 
The problem, though, is found in the appearances which disguise real questions and issues. On the one hand, you have the image of the ships with the English signs, English signs, aid for Gaza. Now, you know, is it just me, or are we really sure that all Gazans are fluent in the English language? You know, I, I'm, I'm just asking, I'm just asking. But on the side of that ship, aid for Gaza in English letters. Hmm. It looks bad. And there are issues in Israel that are significant um, with regards to this. Because just that image, and it was a made-for-American press, or possibly English press, or Australian press, or New Zealand press, English. In an op-ed article entitled Saving Israel from Itself, Nicholas Crystal reflects, Abba Ibn, the former Israeli statesman, is famously reported to have said in 1973, the Arabs never miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity. The quotation resonated because it was largely true. Palestinians were locked for years in a self-defeating dynamic of violence and self-pity that led to terrorism and intransigence. Feeling misunderstood, they shrugged at global opinion and lashed back whenever they could, undermining their own cause. Yet now, as a rabbi noted on my Facebook page, it is Israel that never misses an opportunity to miss an opportunity. Israel under Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu seems locked into a self-defeating dynamic in which it feels misunderstood and gives up on international opinion. It lashes out with force in ways that undermines its own interest. It is on a path that could eventually be catastrophic. Somehow, I sadly believe that Eben might even agree with Christoph. However, if you begin to tow towards the right in our country, you have a scathing, if not potentially paranoid, Charles Krautheimer on the other side, who uses this entire episode to advance his own partisan political views. He wrote in the Washington Post on June 4th, What's left? Nothing. The whole point of this relentless international campaign is to deprive Israel of any legitimate form of self-defense. Why, just last week, the Obama administration joined the jackals and reversed four decades of U.S. practice by signing on a consensus document that singles out Israel's possession of nuclear weapons, thus delegitimizing Israel's very last line of defense deterrence. The world is tired of these troublesome Jews. Six million, that number again, hard by the Mediterranean, refusing every invitation to national suicide, for which they are relentlessly demonized, ghettoized, and constrained from defending themselves, even as the more committed anti-Zionists, Iran in particular, openly prepare a more final solution. So now we have another side who delves into the entire episode and accuses our administration in participating in a potential final solution. And this is supposed to do what? Except fan the flames of the paranoid and justify the other episodes of military conflict in recent history. Between these two ideas, if, you, if either could meet the other, um, I uh, handed out and will include in the podcast the words of Daniel Gordas and Yossi Klein-Halevi. Gordas points out that this was not a mission of mercy, but an attempt to again break Israel. And Halevi begs the question at the end of his article, 
has the world lost its mind? If you are frustrated or inquisitive and know nothing about this other than the echoes from the 24-hour cable news cycle, read through some of the links. By the end, you'll be frustrated. I'm indebted, by the way, to uh, the CCR colleagues, Micah Greenstein and the Israel Committee for assembling many of the articles that you see in this particular packet. However, I'm, um, I want to come to the end and just simply ask the question, what are we to do religiously? One of my favorite midrashim is the story of the Egyptians at the sea. And the story goes is that the Israelites had passed through the, the Sea of Reeds and they were on the other side and the waters were closing in and drowning the Egyptian army. And the Israelites were down on earth singing and singing and praising God and praising God. And the angels in heaven, too, joined in the chorus of praising God and praising God. For this was clearly one of the greatest miracles ever to happen in, 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 in history. Until one of the angels turns and looks at God and sees God slumped over in the divine throne. And the angel approaches God and says, Ribono Shalom, Master of the world, your people are saved. The Israelites are slave, saved. What's the problem? And God turns and looks at the angel and says, The Egyptians are my children too. How can I rejoice? You know, it's strange that we would answer our enemies with prayer. Yet for many centuries, that's all that Jews had the ability to do in spite of horrible atrocities. Even Eric Yaffe offered condolences in spite of the intent of these people. And so I too would like to offer this prayer. God, we learn that too often people become angry and use that anger to create any purpose for the goal they want. Whether it is Moses at the rock or people on boats, we know that there are choices when we don't allow our hatred to be the only driver, the only rudder of our actions. We give thanks that six of these vessels peacefully surrendered, and we hope that the aid they sought to bring to Gaza finds its way to the stomachs of hungry children and the needs of every man and woman who suffered due to the situation in Gaza. We also pray that you foil the designs of those who fought the Israeli soldiers and sought to harm them and kill them. We pray for the families of those whose loved ones died in those chaotic moments. May we all learn from this incident and from this portion in the Torah let us understand that anger, meaning anger, will not bring us together. That we must be honest to our intents, have an integrity with our intents, and share them with others. Yet if peace is our intent, we must also hold that as the highest value. And we must find a common road, Israeli, Palestinian, Hamas, Fatah, Jew, Arab, and Christian to a place that's called Shalom. A place of wholeness and a place of peace.
Shalom. Thank you.